This morning on Fuzzy Logic, we are going to have a little surprise for you, a deep secret about what goes on here in the studio. And while you're waiting to hear that, a bit more of our funky intro music. Yes, our secret, our secret here on Fuzzy Logic is that we like to play that funky intro music and in the studio we are often found bopping around to the rhythm. There's something about the rhythm of music that just makes you want to move and uh, which is kind of handy because our guests today are two professional dancers. And uh, welcome, Phil Piggin. And Phil is from the Wellbeing Program at the ACT, uh, Belconnen Arts. And Liz, good morning. Liz, you are the director for Oz Dance ACT. I'm the creative director of Oz Dance ACT. Creative yes. director of Oz Dance ACT. Now, dance and science, art and science, are often seen as being different like you do you guys do science and you guys do art what's the connection why would we be talking about science and dance on the radio well uh from my perspective having been working professionally for over 30 years dance and science are they are they're, they're absolutely synonymous just even in terms in in terms of the technique of the body, the training that different dancers receive, different types of physiotherapy, the way the muscles work, the mind works, the psyche works, that's all science related. But um, and then in terms of work that might be created with scientific research in mind, whether or not it's the science of birds or the science of flight or neurology, all of that kind of thing, and the way in which scientific research is starting to or has been for some time but it's becoming increasingly recognised as proving that dance is one of the most effective ways of treating people with dementia or Parkinson's or um, regaining, re-engaging people who are getting older within society. So, I mean, there are positives and negatives, absolutely. Well, we will, we're going to explore a few of those themes this morning on Fuzzy Logic. Phil, what's your take on that? Yeah, we, I, I guess my world into the connection between dance and science really, really was uh, strongly established when Liz um, grew the very first dance science conference here in Canberra. That year was, Liz? No. That was 2013. Yes. I was, I'd been invited to be choreographer in residence up at CSIRO Discovery under the directorship of Chris Kennedy, who was the then di director. And uh, he was kind of hoping that I would create choreography and movement in and around some of the laboratories up at CSIRO Discovery. And I think the scientists up there were rather horrified at that thought. And of course, you can't really enter those laboratories. But he's very much and a very keen and excellent science communicator. So I was up there for a period of time and then their theatre up at Discovery was free for the week of National Science Week and he said, would you like to, would you like the theatre for a week? And I said, well, let's run a dance and science festival. So it was a mixture of performance and um, performance and conference. And it was fascinating. So, so dance can uh, illustrate things in science, scientific principles, because a lot of science seems really inscrutable, really difficult and disconnected. It's stuff that people wearing white lab coats do, staring at whiteboards with complicated equations. Uh, can, you, can you think of some ways in which, or describe some ways in which science is illustrated by uh, what you do in dance? 
Yeah, I made, I'm, and not to make it uh, about my work, but it's the first thing that um, comes to mind. I was making a work about the history of flight, so Charles Kingsford Smith and Charles Ulm and Nancy Bird Walton, and then I was working with some people at Questacon who said, well, would you consider bringing the science of flight into the show? And I said, absolutely, and ended up making a little children's show called Flying Facts, and we had a scientific moment whereby my feather boa was sucked into my... <laughs> my my leaf blower and and that was the feather boa was around my neck at the time so scientifically that was a little bit tricky but from an audience perspective apparently it was hilarious because there was feathers going everywhere so i created a children's show based around scientific principles and i've created two others one called starstruck which was all about the galaxy and gravitational waves and that was it was a hundred years after einstein predicted the gravitational waves existed that the lego team part of whom are based here in canberra uh actually discovered that gravitational waves do in fact exist ah. so that was that was fascinating that's that's wonderful because i, I kind of get the sense that there's story in there as well that you're telling a story through the dance can you go back to the flight one and yeah. how did you approach that what what was your sort of movements and how did you choreograph that to illustrate well i uh, i was very lucky i'd had a fellowship at the national film and sound archive so i had archival recordings of the voices of the aviators and the aviatrix and films so that kind of so i dressed up in 1920s garb i had a lovely time and i bought lots of children's toys that you know flying planes and helicopters and and you know all of those kind of things were you talking as you did the performance I, I do speak in some performances, but in this one, not, because I'm not a scientist, so I didn't want to get the science wrong. <laughs> so it was pre-recorded, but I kind of acted it out. And then, for example, through the body can show the way a bird flies, the way the wings get higher and higher and higher and higher as you land, and then they kind of come down, the amount of energy that's needed for a plane to take off, um, ways in which I, I googled... I can't remember what this is embarrassing. I can't actually remember what this was demonstrating. No, it was upward thrust, I think it was. So you have a hairdryer and it's upside down and you turn the hairdryer on and then you put a ping pong ball in the flow of the hairdryer and the ping pong ball will be maintained. So then I was kind of trying to choreograph myself, putting my leg over the airflow between the ping pong ball and things like that and then without getting stuck between the electric wire and then there's a very clever trick where you have a toilet roll and you hold that above the ping pong ball and it will get sucked into the toilet roll and pop out of the top (laughs) so and and that's also about science communication because you want to make something as appealing to kids as you possibly can and particularly with iPads and all of the information that's available on television, you, you have to have, you've got to have something that's neatly produced, Yeah, something well that costumed. gets their attention, something exactly. that, that entertains yeah. them. But your description of the bird wings, and, I, and I'm thinking it's such a, and there's such artistry, isn't it? The, mm. There's the curvature mm. of the wings. Oh, the tips go up Absolutely. and, then, yeah. and yeah. the tips go down. Uh, what sort of things have you seen in your experience, Phil? Do you have a, an analogous story to Liz's here? Um, I, um, well, 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 maybe an, an occasion in which you've you've seen dance or you've used dance as part of a uh, science to illustrate or to give people a sense of the mechanics and the concepts that are going on. Look, I, I guess what I was going to add to the conversation was 
the impact that science has had on, I guess, a lot of sports training and, and, um, the whole, whole world of, of athletics and, and, and that whole area of practice, I, I think has meant that there's been this growing pool of scientific knowledge on, on how we move in the best possible way. And I think that's been a significant contributor to the, the understanding and knowledge of dance training and, and all the knowledge that surrounds our understanding. Uh, so, so it goes in both directions. Yeah, yes. yeah, I, I think so. And 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 there's now a lot of recently in the news. There was a very I forgive me, I can't remember the name of a very famous footballer, who I believe won won one of the Brownlow medals, who'd had an injury and credits a Pilates teacher as someone who mentally and physically helped him regain his his inner core, his inner strength, and Pilates. Um, is a movement-based uh, training method, and so there and there are quite a few people now doing a lot of exercises that come through basically through physiotherapy but a lot of the exercises that are used for sports people are also used for for dancers because it's it's all one body you do need to train the body differently like a rugby player is going to train differently from a a 10 meter sprinter sorry yeah. 100 meter sprinter as opposed to a marathon runner as opposed to a professional ballet dancer or a, a hip hop so we're, we're talking about biomechanics um, absolutely yeah, yeah exactly and I, I recall a story yonks ago um one of Sydney dance companies, dancers actually worked with a Sydney football team for quite some mm. time. I think giving them dance classes to in- increase their their movement skills, their ability to you know change direction and and move and jump and roll on the floor safely, which which is all the things that dancers do, and we do it in a way that hopefully keeps us safe and able to keep doing it uh-huh. and translating that knowledge into the sports sports I've... area and. Um, well, I, I believe there was, you know, lots of guffaws and and, and, so, yeah. and from from the, the the teams. You know, eventually, after after time, it became recognised that this was really upping their skill level. Well, I guess one thing: if you're a gym junkie, just going lifting weights for two hours is, or, mm, or half mm. an hour is really boring. Mm, uh, and I, I, I can't. They really might disagree, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but just but if you're doing it in conjunction with dance, then you've got the rhythm. And you've got the, the the artistry that goes with it. I can remember doing in uh, in high school, early high school. I did a bit of a, a judo and stuff like that. I wish I'd done more of it actually. But uh, the, one of the things that tell you how to fall, and you mentioned Phil uh, falling, and actually I ride a unicycle. And the first thing you learn on a unicycle is how to fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> because very a, important skill. Yeah, the unique yeah. feature of a unicycle is it can fall over in any direction. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I can remember we were doing a cross country run in high school, and one of the kids behind me we thought it was really funny. He put he, he tripped, he hooked my ankle and tripped me over, and before I knew it, I'd put my head, my arm up across my head. And I tucked my head in. I did a beautiful roll, and wow. I came up on my feet. And I was, <laughs> I was just amazed. But that was the judo training. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, sadly, I don't know if I would do it now. <laughs> <laughs> we can try afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, we have a major sport event of some kind today. I can't remember what it is, but uh, I guess those guys. 
highly skilled, highly skilled movement practitioners. Yeah. Wow. And for example, there's a lot, there's a, an incredible, an extraordinary uh, professor. She's based at the Queensland University of Technology, um, Jean Moyle, and she's, um, she works in, I believe it's psychology, but it's about training the mind for you know, just for, for top level athletes. So she is often going and doing training with people to mentally prepare Olympic athletes for, for competition. But she's also deeply conscious of the fact that that level of training and support is not available for dancers. So there's, uh, but in, in, in other words, the, the training that is now understood is necessary within the massive pressure that comes from, say, Olympic sports and so on and so forth, particularly, I would say, with the pressures of sponsorships and money and mm, the amount of mm. money that's now riding on lots of these different games. That's a big pressure on individuals. But then bringing that into a, a dancer's mentality, how do you prepare for performance? How do you deal with the constant? Because there's an awful lot of rejection that happens in this field. So just mentally preparing on a scientific level it's it's becoming more and more mm. known and understood mm. and I, I guess the very fact that here in canberra we have the the ais which is such you know a center mm. for for development of, of of expertise and best practice in in training for for sports uh, you know it has created this amazing pool of knowledge and and understanding here that that I think, yeah, is, is really flowing increasingly Actually, to the uh, dance uh, industry. And, um, a, a long while ago I interviewed on Fuzzy Logic somebody from the Saro Research Labs and they were instrumenting, they were putting body instruments on the sports people, on the, the men and women, the swimmers and the runners, and just to see what the body's actually doing during that extreme mm, physical mm, exertion. Mm, Is mm. It, does that ever, something like that ever happen? It with certainly, it, it, it does, certainly yes. does, absolutely. And I think, was it maybe the 70s, 80s, in fact, Oz Dance, the peak body for dance in Australia, commissioned a number of safe dance studies mm. and reports, didn't, didn't it, Liz? And I think there have been a number of those developed over the, over the last few decades. And, they've, and that's certainly world pioneering stuff, really addressing the importance of, of safe dance practice for dancers to ensure a longevity of, of life so that come, come the age of 30, you don't have to give up give up your art form because your body's suffered so much but training in certainly at professional levels has become I think all the, all the more uh, uh, improved as a result of those safe dance practice reports I think that's the theme that we should move into let's just take a quick music break here and I, and I have something special for you I'm so excited to hear this <laughs> you, you, you will recognise this, uh, this piece of music I'm sure here on Fuzzy Logic with our guest uh, Liz Lee who's the creative director of Oz Dance ACT, and Phil Piggin, who's the wellbeing program officer from the Belconnen Arts Centre. And when we come back, uh, let's talk a bit about injuries and what happens to your body as you do dance. It's pretty demanding, I reckon. 2XXFM 98.3, people-powered radio in Canberra since 1976, now in our fifth decade and still going strong, with your support. Visit 2XXFM.org.au to listen online and find out how to subscribe, donate, sponsor or become involved as a volunteer at your community station. I 
Maybe I thought I would take me a look inside Of course I can dance I'm sure I can dance I'm sure I can dance I can dance I can dance I really hit the floor Oh, it feels good Look at me dancing I did a two-step Doesn't that just lighten your day? Leo Sayer there from, uh, oh, it must be about 1974, 75, something like that. And a fine chapter of music that was. Wonderful. eh? There's a kind of a joyousness in in that song. And he tells a story, doesn't he? And and I watched the video on uh, YouTube, and he does this kind of really... uh, Goofy uh, miming thing as he goes through it, like and he's and he's and he's pointing to his legs. He goes, "You know, I can't dance. You know, I can't dance." <laughs> uh, do, you, do, you, do you guys get that very often, where uh, people are reluctant to dance because it's like we 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 don't want to show off, or how, how do you get people to engage? Good, good question. And I, look, I think that's also something a bit specific to you know the the white Western society in many ways. Do you think, Liz? Um, I guess lots of other cultures have it far more as part of their their everyday living, but we seem to have developed yeah. issues and. 
Well, it's interesting. I think if someone's coming to a dance class, they're there because they want to be at the dance class. If you're going into a school, for example, and taking a workshop, there may be lots of people who are really quite reluctant. So you, I mean, for example, you earlier mentioned that people are working out at gyms and they're lifting weights for a couple of hours, but generally that's always with some kind of music in the background. There's always a beat. There's always a pulse. There's the beat of our heart. There's always a, there's a, there's a rhythm to something. And um, and I think a lot of the way into getting people to move is music and different types of music. So some people will absolutely love rockabilly or they'll love hip-hop or whatever it may be. Um, music and rhythm and movement are, are, are really quite synonymous. So in terms of having a... Let's say you're having a professional dance class, people turn up to class and they tend to be very driven and unless you give them a class they want and they're happy with, they get stroppy. Uh, but but those are not the kind of people you need to um, try and get engaged in movement. But then, if, as I say, if you're going into a class within a school or a retirement home or something like that and they're reluctant, then you have to just take a different approach. Uh, and it may be that they're nervous. There are different ways. That, so to, to make it non-threatening, for example. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, Ausdance yeah. ACT runs something called Youth Dance Festival, and that was running a couple of weeks ago, 1,500 kids on stage at the Canberra Theatre Centre. It's been running for 30, it was the 35th year. And there are some schools who will come in and they've got a really high dance standard, and you're like, right, okay, this is where you are, but I still need you to go further. And there are other kids who come in and they've really not danced much at all. So you take a different approach with them and say you're on stage that's amazing and what you're doing is extraordinary you want everyone to push as far as they can go not necessarily from a dance perspective but from a whole person perspective so that they can walk away going i did the best i could and i had the best mm. experience mm. that i could have within the capacity and to make it to make it enjoyable exactly to, to make it fun mm. yeah mm. and before the show i was giving you the two rules of being on fuzzy logic <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and i said rule number one is we have fun yeah and uh i i think the the first criteria of good teaching is to motivate Motivate. There you go. Yeah, yes. exactly. To, to motivate. So yeah. I, I've had someone who's been reviewing my book, the the draft version of my book, and they came back with all these criticisms and so on. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, some I agree with, some I don't. Mm. But what I really want to hear is I can see the potential here. Mm. And you know the, the, the so-called the shit sandwich criticism? Like, oh, this is great. Improve this. Keep going. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. 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 And, and I was just going to add to what Liz was saying. I spent quite a lot of time teaching in um, primary schools here in, in Canberra. And, and I think, as Liz was saying, it's, you know, music is such a key way to in engage kids and, and dance activities that are, are high energy. And for boys particularly, boys love to move. And so finding active, engaging exercises with boppy music, it, it, can convert convert those that think they will never be converted yeah. yeah and there's something about a rhythm that you a strong rhythm that, that it's very hard yeah, yeah. to not yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, and then uh, as liz was talking about the youth dance festival i think that notion of performance can provide then an extraordinary goal for for people to aim for and in that process learning so much mm. about about social relationships and, and art and yes. self-discipline and focus that's and another thing we might 
might yeah. talk about is the the social bonding part of it. But uh, you mentioned the cultural aspects a moment ago, Phil Phillips, and uh, the uh, it occurs to me that we get to a certain age in life and we learn not to sing. We learn we can't sing, and we learn we can't draw. And I think maybe mm. to some extent we learn we can't dance as well. Would you would you agree with that? Well, I, I think. But when we when we become self conscious, so I should. Yeah, say. absolutely. I, I look. I think that's the case. I think what what tends to happen is that as you get older, it goes from movement that you innately do, which we would call dancing, and then as you become older, you go, "Oh, I'm not a I'm not a good dancer." unless I go to dance classes. So suddenly as we become older, a little bit like we go to school. So you, I, I, I know there's the son of one of a very dear friend of mine. He's four, and he can recite um, the Russian Cyrillic. I believe that's, that that's the way, that that's the name, and forgive me if it's not, but the alphabet, because he's learnt it online. Now he's four. Now when he goes to school, to a certain degree, he'll potentially be slightly advanced. I don't know. But once he goes to school, the learning that he, the self-learning, will become modified or will become something that takes part of the the school system as well as what he does at home. So if you are a child and you're dancing around innately to music and you're having a lovely time, once you become older and potentially more self-conscious, then you go, oh, I'm not a good dancer because I'm not trained. And we worry about whether we're good or not. But that's also, as Philip pointed out, it's different kind of cultural norms. So, and I, I say this in the context of maybe ballet or jazz or tap or something like that. Mm, mm. Whereas for many cultures, dancing just starts pretty much. You come out of the womb and and, and continues mm, going on. Mm, mm. And and it also depends if you do go to a dance school. It's what type of dance school? Is it exam based? Is it fun based? Um, is it about technique or is it about engagement? Is it about community spirit? All of those different elements and aspects of where we live, how we live there, you know, what backgrounds people might have. Well, I think one of the things that happens with uh, music, with singing, you can turn the radio on or you can stream on the internet and you can hear the world's best. Mm, mm. So how can I be anything but a pale shadow of that? Uh, And and so I've seen so many kids go through primary school music both of my kids uh one of my daughters is actually extremely uh, talented uh, wind player and uh they get to a certain point where is you going to become professional or you don't do it at all so we don't like you said we tend not to go to a party and then someone just bring out a guitar or something and then or a recorder and just start playing for people we don't do that we we turn the the the, the music box on instead yeah. Well, some do. I mean, in general, yes, that's that, general. that's kind of what happens. Mm. But in mm. other places, no, that that the, the guitar will be what comes out, or the dancing will be what comes out. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, I find it fascinating that I guess for our multicultural festival here, which I think is an extraordinary diamond on the, the Canberra cultural landscape, is is so full of the dance and the music of, of cultures from all around the world. And and within that context, it's really celebrated and acknowledged and, and profiled and advertised far and wide and has become a, a, a really, I, I think, a, a, 
very rich and affirming experience in terms of, of the place that dance plays in, in cultures across the world. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? Because uh, I was saying earlier that people say there's science and there's dance. They're not science. You're doing dancing or you're doing art. They're different things. Actually, they're not. And uh, in the realm of hearing, so I've, I've, in my book is that I'm just finishing off is about sound and hearing and hearing is what happens in the, the mechanical parts of the ear and then they've got the, the cochlea that makes mm. electrical mm. impulses but then it doesn't tell you anything about the experience of hearing what it's like to actually listen so you, you hear with your ears and you listen with your brain Oh, with that little monologue and we didn't get to talking about injuries in dance I still want to explore that one uh, but you remind me both of uh, my earlier childhood, earlier, get it? Because <laughs> uh, it still hasn't finished, I hope. Uh, one of my earliest memories is my sister and I bopping around the lounge room listening to this particular piece of music. We call it the boom-de-boom -boom music. My kids call it the boom-de-boom -boom music. Yeah, <laughs> fuzzy logic. And I guess today, Philip Piggin, who's the Wellbeing Program Officer from the Belcolon Arts Centre, and Liz Lee, who's the Creative Director of Oz Dance ACT. And we are talking science and dance here on Fuzzy Logic.
love that music. I just cannot get enough of that music. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we in the studio sometimes like to dance while you can't see. And we have little cameras attached to all the radios out there. And you know what? <laughs> I have noticed a very large number of our listeners dancing. You cannot listen to a piece of music like that and not tap your foot. <laughs> That was Let There Be Drums, by the way. Sandy Nelson dated 1960-something. <laughs> I'll add uh, it to my favourites list. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Rod. Let There Be Drums. Uh, Sandy Nelson, I might play another one of those here on Fuzzy Logic. Now, if you were getting really, really vigorous uh, getting up and bopping to that piece of music, maybe you did yourself an injury. You got a little bit too enthusiastic. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about the things that can happen. Uh, I think some dancing is pretty physically strenuous, very demanding perhaps, and there's a very real possibility of injury. Um, what sort of injuries do you see in dancing? Um, Oh, look, many, many injuries. There's repetitive strain injury. There are many dancers who've had one, two, maybe three knee reconstructions, hip reconstructions, all sorts of things, back injuries. There might be small niggles, um, plantar fascia. I snapped my plantar fascia, which was which was really dull. Tendonitis. That's the foot, isn't it? That's the foot, yeah. And so look, there's, there's, performance yeah, too, wasn't there's it? any oh, number gosh. of different injuries that can happen, and this is why physiotherapy and the science behind physiotherapy and biomechanics and so on and so forth have become fundamental um, in a, a, as part of the training that dancers receive from a very young age. And it just it makes you a stronger dancer. It makes the body more pliable. But certainly, as you get older, the injuries tend to they can become more more commonplace um, because you lose some strength. Well, you lose it's just about the body starting to decline slightly. And by that, I'm talking from the age of let's say thirty to thirty five, which of course for many of us is still quite young. But um, the you know just the elasticity in in the muscles and the ligaments and so forth just starts to decline to the point that if you're leaping or jumping and pointing and and so on and so forth and that's aside from a you know like a what I would call, not a major injury but an injury whereby you fall and break something uh, which is of course always possible but I mean it would be the same I would say as um, athletes. Yep. I'm mm. thinking of uh, netball players and one of the persistent injuries of netball players because they're not allowed to take, I think, is it more than one or two steps mm. after mm. they catch the ball mm. and they've got the whole mass of their body throwing forward and then they suddenly have to stop. Mm. So their knees cop a real beating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there is a way, I don't know what the technique is, that they, the, the more skilled players are taught how to avoid that. And look, I think that's certainly paralleled within in the dance world, um, particularly in the case of Australian dance theatre based in Adelaide. I'm, his work under the directorship of Gary Stewart has an incredible level of physicality, unlike any I think I've, I've seen in, in my life. And, and the things that those dancers can do is just phenomenal. And 
And, and I believe can... that's, that then heralded a whole rethinking of their training program that I, I guess lots of dancers yeah. in, in companies would do a regular ballet class or contemporary class, but they saw that the, the physical requirements that the dancers needed and to be able to, to sustain them required a whole range of additional yeah. classes. So I think well, they're extreme doing Pilates stretching is, and is one that yoga. comes to mind. So putting your limbs in a really, uh, in an extreme stretch position. Yeah, Pilates, yeah, well, yoga, physiotherapy, and also, and this is all enabled to to sustain the body for longer mm, as well because mm. none of us want to retire at 35. I mean, I'm still performing and I'm nearly 50, and then there's, of course, the incredible Elizabeth Cameron Dalman. There's many people performing much I- into an older age now. Uh, and the other thing about the physiotherapy that's happening is that each body is, of course, born slightly differently. So you need to work within... Um, the limitations of your own body but also to extend the limitations and or the little niggles that you might have within your own particular physicality so someone might have one exercise there might be two dancers for example who do the same exercise but slightly differently for a different amount of reps it just depends on where their body is um, but it's 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 hugely scientific mm, mm. in terms of the way the body so is very, trained very tuned to the individual yeah. absolutely yeah. and then so psychologically, mentally, emotionally, the yeah. way you prepare the, to go on stage. The motivations of the person, what they're good Completely. at, what they like. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And there are some people who are... Ext- I mean, my best friend when I was seven, she had so much more talent than I did, but she... Financially, it was difficult for her family, but it wasn't that she wanted to become a professional dancer. I did, and I didn't have nearly the talent that she had. I, I would love to have had the talent that she had. So sometimes it's about your mental capacity and your and motivation, your motivation yeah. what drives you, what you really do or, or don't want to do. Uh, mm. Just one thing in passing that I've often wondered about is the use of points in classical. Point shoes. Point shoes. Point shoes where they stand on their tippy toes. Yeah. Uh, is that a particular hazard, that one? Oh, well, it's it's pretty physically demanding. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, physiologically, we're not we're not built to stand on our toes. Sometimes I look at people's feet and I go, "How do we stand on those?" But anyway, there we go. Uh, yeah, standing on point. You see pictures of people's. I mean, blisters, scarred feet. But the thing is, when you're on point, if you have strong feet and strong training, it's it's absolutely it's just physiologically what you do. You adapt to what the body does. Ah, so you don't come from a standing start to doing it. Oh, good grief! No, you, you no, develop no, no, no. the years muscle. Of many, training. Many, many, many years, years of training. Yes, and years great of training. flexibility. Now you mentioned as you get older. Of course, we uh, everybody I know is getting older, except for me. <laughs> of course. And, and statistics say that uh, uh, people will all die at some point, but who believes statistics? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you were heavily involved with uh, people as they aged, uh, Phil in particular, I think. Uh, well, perhaps we should start this conversation um, talking about the gold company, Liz, which was um, a yes. group that uh, Liz and I yeah, started way back in your first year in Canberra, wasn't it? Second year. Second year in Canberra. Uh, it was just before I started with Canberra Dance Theatre. And um, Philip contacted me and said, look, there's an ACT health grant coming up. Have you got any ideas? And I'd just seen on Facebook a colleague of mine that I'd done a lot of Baroque dance work with, and he'd created a a work, a Baroque dance piece on a company, 
of elders called the Company of Elders based at Sadler's Wells in London. So I said, all right, well, why don't we apply to run a 10-week program? Maybe we'll get six people to come dance for older people and we called it growing old disgracefully and we had 32 people 32 i recall it being 30. a bit more actually okay but hey it makes a good 32, story let's say 35 people turned <laughs> so, up so, say it with confidence for yes yeah. there we go 32. 35 people turned up and uh it was remarkable within three weeks they were all saying right we want this program to continue and because so many more people had turned up than we'd expected we were able to continue it for the rest of the year and then gold as it has become known uh has continued to grow and grow and grow next year is their 10th anniversary which is quite extraordinary and one of the aspects of the gold company has been the the development of the dancers um some some have danced for a very long time but many have never danced formally before so the development of their strength physically mentally emotionally socially it's a massive massive part of this extraordinary group's lives they are quite they're a force to be reckoned with uh canberra dance theater doesn't have core funding so these people um they make a quite a big financial not a massive well yeah quite a big financial commitment given that most companies uh for example up with tracks in darwin they have a company called the gray panthers who have been going nearly 30 years i believe and they're a funded tracks is a funded company so gray panthers have access to those classes for little or, or very little money for this company to have sustained for nearly 10 years is really, really quite mm, remarkable. And toured, toured quite extensively as, yeah. as well, Rob, not only... To the UK and to Europe the UK, and but, but interstate Queensland well, and a, oh, South Australia. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. And are, there, are there any particular stories of a, of a person who you've seen engage with this program that uh, you want to tell? Uh, look, probably, I think, you know, there's so many stories all, all within one each individual, one but one, look, one thing I probably just remember about the whole group, part of the, I think one of the, um, important criteria when we put that application is, was, it was about addressing, um, seniors' well-being, their health, their balance, their, their, um, their strength and flexibility. And so I remember doing one exercise with them where they just had to stand on one leg, with the other leg kind of pulled up to their knee in a position we call retire in in the dance business, and in the beginning, that was that was a massively wobbly experience, and <laughs> and you know not many ever stand around on one leg during the day for a while, and and by just repeating that exercise with with lots of other things happening in it as well, but I, I just remember by the end of end of that year, the the dancers could sort of stand for sixteen counts, you know, one two, three, four, and it became a real evidence of, of what's, what training can do to bodies and what, whatever age people are at, that, that training, appropriate training is, is an extraordinary yeah. thing. And, and dance really provides, as Liz was saying, that, that full package. It's the physical, it's the mental, it's the neurological, and so importantly, the social that provides those important social networks for us as, as we mature. Well, I, I've, that's a wonderful thing, Philip. I, I, I've just spent some time with my very elderly father-in-law and I noticed his sense of balance is mm. not good. So mm. you know, I think largely because the strength in his legs, he's just had Ross River fever. Oh, so wow. that's affected his muscle strength. 
but uh, he doesn't want to move around without a cane or grabbing onto something. Mm. And he couldn't tie his own shoelaces. Mm. Mm. So he's lost that flexibility and that strength, that, that sense of balance. Mm. And uh, he's not a sociable sort of person. So I can't imagine him ever doing dance, which is a, a bit of a shame because uh, I could just see how that would really help him. Yeah. Uh, so now this... Dan, you've given me a brochure here that says Dance for Wellbeing. Uh, people with Parkinson's, dementia, multiple sclerosis and other conditions. you want to talk a bit more about this one? Sure, Rod. Thank you. Yes, I, we started uh, Dance for Parkinson's program in Bel- at Belcon Arts Centre in 2013. I'd, I'd had the amazing privilege of working with... Uh, within dance for various able groups for many years. I had um, 10 years working in the UK and that was a big part of the big vision for dance that they have there. It's dance for you know the elite professionals on stage but it's also dance for for everybody oh, for everybody can i just uh, can yeah. you describe what you see of a person with parkinson's sure look parkinson's is a condition that's notoriously difficult to actually <clears throat> to actually diagnose and it's it can be manifest in a lot of different ways and um, it that can be manifest in terms of um, tremor, in terms of slowness of movement, in terms of of, of coming to a, a stop, um, instability, lack of balance, um, variability in, in their walking patterns. So it's manifest in a whole lot of different ways for each individual. That's why it's inc- you know quite tricky to diagnose. And um, so the program was uh, originally started in the US and the UK around about 2000 and they, I guess, as as a condition that was impacting essentially people's movement ability, some enlightened individuals saw that dancers had great skill and knowledge and expertise in, in how we move and and the story in the... In, um, the US is that the Parkinson's group in Brooklyn approached the Mark Morris dance group that was more or less next door to them and, and asked them, would, would you come and do some dance classes for our weekly Parkinson's group? Maybe it's a good way to provide some regular fun exercise for them. So, so the, the, the strength, the, the exercise, exactly so helps them. Right? E- exactly, and music was a, a really big part of that because music provides that regular beat, mm. that kind of supportive structure. And so, out of that program, the the program came to Australia in 2013. They did some training sessions around Australia which I was lucky enough to participate in and so we started that program at Bill Conan in 2013. Well, there you go. So and if, that's if people uh, are interested how would they go about finding that? Oh hey. it's cost free it says here on the uh, on the Ignite. No, no, no that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a different program a different but um, just go to the Bill Conan Arts Centre website just to tap in Bill Conan Arts Centre 
and it looks like it's a very nominal and, fee. Yeah. And in fact, that that group has done done amazing things, mm. hasn't it, Liz? And that's been part of a number of performances that Liz has has um, produced around around Canberra and and beyond. They toured did our first interstate tour last year to to Sydney and to Major's Creek. So, uh, there's, there's one for Parkinson's, dementia, multiple sclerosis, and that's another one that affects movement. We might uh, make a quick, uh, have a quick break to the Boomgy Boom music. Uh, another one from my collection from the archive, Sandy Nelson, Let There Be Drums, here on Fuzzy Logic. And we might talk a bit about the moon and space. Sounds good. And, uh, because we like space, because here on Fuzzy Logic with our guests, uh, Philip Piggin, who's the Wellbeing Program Officer from Belconnen Arts Centre, and Liz Lee, who's the Creative Director of Oz Dance ACT, on Fuzzy Logic. Be drums, let there be dance here on <laughs> Fuzzy Logic. That is something really primal about listening to that sort of music. That that pulsing rhythm, that doom, 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 doom. Uh, love it. Uh, we're talking dance now, Phil. Uh, just a moment ago, we were talking about the Parkinson's program and uh, other health programs that you're running. Sure, yeah. and um, I probably just would like to throw in there that we've actually just at the end of a, a two and a half year funded round of our dance wellbeing program that was funded by ACT Health, 
and you know I have to say the vision that I think our our health department sees in terms of what is what is a healthy life what what is uh, health and well-being composed of and you know if they see that it's it's more than than drugs and medication surgery that that dance is a, a significant player in that equation and it's been an absolute thrill they they've funded us to to enable that program for, for classes trying in both north and uh, south I think canberra actually yeah. something really deep in what you just said there Phil, philip because uh there's this notion that i go to see the doctor they wear a lab coat or, or sorry yeah. medical and, yeah. and it's all about the pills and the, yeah. and the procedures and so on and then we hardcore sciencey type people get frustrated with things like alternative medicines which have no evidence behind them and often they can be able to do no good or possibly even harm because they actually there's no real dare i say science in them and i think the reason people like that sort of thing is because they're very they, they connect to the individual they feel like i'm talking to this person they're wearing a caftan robe or they've got the incense burning and the flowers and all the trinkets and it just feels engaging and and, and i'm drawn into it because it's they care about me Anyway, that's a bit of a rant. <laughs> uh, let, let's go back out to space, uh, Liz, Perhaps because... So. Oh, sorry, oh, Phil? Yes, Phil? I was just going to mention that, um, yes, so the Parkinson's group has been a significant contributor to the program as well financially, and, and just a quick promo for them. They having their major fundraiser for the year, which is called A Walk in the Park, and that takes place the 20th, Sunday the 20th of this month. And it starts at half past nine down at Ron Terrace, which is at the very kind of lake end of Anzac Parade. And there's a whole range of activities happening that day. So the 20th of October? October, exactly. Uh, yes. The end of Anzac Parade. You mean that the, Rond, the lake end? Ron Terrace, yeah, yeah, which is right at the lakeside end. And if, if we were to go along, what would we see? So you would see a whole range of activities. The, the Parkinson's Dance Group called Offbeat will be performing. The Parkinson's Singing Group called Bushlarks will be singing. The Paint group will have a display of their work there. There'll be the old sausage sizzle and and um, artwork for sale from the painting group. And then um, they also encourage people to to form groups and do a walk around around the lake as a, a fundraiser. So it's a big a big part of their annual fundraising. I, I think there's program. probably a media story in that, Philip. We we maybe should talk about that off there. A deal. That's See a deal. Yes. Yeah. So please come along and support. The this amazing organisation and um, oh. and have a fun day of walking and dancing and singing and painting and, and eating sausages. Being alive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the richness of being alive. Well, uh, Liz, we've almost run out of time. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, but before the show, you were talking about, uh, what did you call it? The uh, One giant leap. Yeah, one giant leap. The moon, of course. The uh, moon, yes. The moon. Oh. I've been running a big uh, community dance project across Canberra, across ability, across the generations, and, and it's also cross-cultural, uh, funded by Arts ACT and also ACT Health. Um, and, and we've just been exploring all sorts of different notions to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And one of the aspects of this that I've that's been the most exciting, and I've been it's been wonderful to be able to partnership with Belcon and Arts Centre and Philip and his team and the Parkinson's dancers and dementia um, dancers. And that's about talking to them about where they were when the moon landing happened. 
and then sharing those stories with primary school children. And I've also been going into two Goodwin retirement homes with a number of different artists and again asking them where they were or what they remember about the moon landing, created a, creating a movement phrase and then taking that movement phrase and sharing that with primary school children, putting that to music. So it's a kind of cross and intergenerational exchange of memories and thoughts it's and excitement. lots of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's it's been quite glorious. We've had a number of different showings. I've also partnered with Astro 3D, looking at the simulations that the Astro 3D scientists do of the way in which the universe was formed, the way in which stars were formed, and then putting movement to that and music to it. Yeah, there's a great music and there's a great harmony. There's Absolutely. Great that. Yeah. The universe is not a static place at it all. It is not at mm. all. Yes. So we've actually got a performance coming up on the 24th of November. Which 24th is a, November, yeah. Yes, at um, the Canberra College Theatre, Performing Arts Space, 5pm. Uh, the tickets can be found on Eventbrite. It's going to be a, a, a kind of a combination of music, movement, imagery from professional and community performers. I think it'll be basically just you know just a great fun and a great way to tie the project together so it's it's been extraordinary it's been so much fun well what, what a wonderful thing we're all we're just about out of time do you have any just quick final thoughts if i tell you what an alien spaceship has just landed outside the, the studio like there it is excellent and they've got their big suckers <laughs> and they're peering in the window and they want to ask you in one or uh, very few words what would you want to tell them about dance what's the thing that really makes dance central to your lives. You, you need time to think about this one. Oh. <laughs> hey, for me, it's just been an essential part of my life for for decades, and um, it I, I, it was something I, I just had to do. There, it was a compulsion. That was um, something that just continued to inspire me, connect me with amazing people, to and enable this body to grow old and a bit disgracefully. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? But what about yourself, Liz? I, I would absolutely... I was about to say dance brings joy, but sometimes as a professional, it, it doesn't always bring joy. <laughs> uh, uh, but I would say absolutely dance inspires. The movement of the body in a really articulated way, however your body moves and functions and from whatever culture, uh, movement is inspiring and the the ability to learn the articulation and master different levels of articulation within the physicality of what we're given is uh, deeply science related but also deeply joyful mm, oh there absolutely. you go now so uh, you out there yes i'm looking at you peering into your radio or on in your car lift your backside off the seat uh, get loose get jiggy uh, enjoy the day and dance now we're coming to an end uh, with our guests uh, who have been uh, Liz Lee who's the creative director of the Oz Dance ACT Philip Piggin wellbeing program officer from the Belconnen Arts Centre today's Ask Fuzzy in the Canberra Times and across many media outlets now uh, other newspapers uh, is about the origin of the stethoscope which is which is quite fun about <laughs> I don't have time to tell you about that now and uh, extending that idea to monitoring wind turbines for faults for defects that can occur got to go thank you for your time this morning Liz and Philip thank you so much Rob it's been so great much. talking with you catch you later